0: Thank you, everyone. We, again, have made it to another episode. This is actually... Episode five. Uh, Thank you so much for joining in. This is Designers Lane Podcast, and I am Eddie Ryder. So grateful that you are here. Want to remember to go ahead and ask you to subscribe. So, however, you're listening or watching this podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you will know when future podcasts come out. The goal is to have them hit once a week, every Wednesday or Thursday, but if you subscribe, you will get an automatic notification that this has happened or is happening, I guess is a great way to say. I want to give special thanks to two sponsors that I have today. One is, or the first one is Jenny Blanton. She's going to handle all of your real estate needs throughout central North Carolina. So if you're in Cary, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, Samford, Fayetteville area, give her a call. She'll be able to take care of any of the real estate needs that you have and do a great job and help you out with whatever you need. And also Dogwood & Company, they specialize in high-end luxury construction in the Cary, North Carolina area. And also if you have a larger, um, higher scale remodel, give them a call, see if they can't help you and figure out some details and see if it's a good match. Let's jump in to today's podcast, which we're going to start off with framing and understanding all of the details that come with framing. So uh, those who don't necessarily know what I'm talking about, framing is the structure of your home. It is what is going to give its shape it's what is going to give the primarily the roof pitches. They're going to start down low. They're going to start in the basement if you have a basement, and they'll work up on the first floor, and then work up on the second floor. And if you have a third floor, they'll do that. They'll outline the windows so you'll be able to see all of the windows details that happen. And I think one of the coolest things is when the roof gets framed. You start to see the pitches and the angles. Um, the dormers start to project out off of the room. Uh, the windows are going to look a little bit square, even though they have a radius. It's just how they frame them um, before the windows actually go in. They call them rough openings. But you are you can see the details. And again, it's so exciting. Um, every couple of days, they go up a floor and a level. And gosh, when they get to the top and you start seeing that roof outline, it's amazing. It's almost like a kid in a candy shop or opening up your first gifts for Christmas days. Absolutely beautiful. Um, It's really important to know on your exterior and your baseline framing, and this is going to be with your blueprints and everything from your architect, that you know what those are going to be um, because you don't want to get the house framed and stop all of a sudden and say, oh my gosh, I don't like this roof pitch, or I don't like that angle. You need to have all of that laid and planned out and then make it happen. This is also where um, if you have swoops at the bottom of your roof line, this is where you're gonna be able to start to see them. And if there's any questions, this is definitely the time to address it. I'm a bigger fan of knowing exactly what you're gonna do before this happens, but I would be a liar if I said that I never made any changes. Um, often, probably 80, 90% of the time when they get that swoop out there, the framers will physically make a template and a board that shows how that detail is gonna work and everyone look at it and make sure that that works for you, that it looks really good. Uh, sometimes they'll have an angle on them, other times they'll physically be a swoop, they'll need, need There won't be any straight lines that happen. So we'll need to physically look at that. This is an application that it often works better to see it in person. But again, we don't want to change the whole roof line. We don't want to change the angles of anything. But this is one area that you could be able to look at and say, hey, I don't want any straight lines to it, or I want it to um, uh, have a pitch or an angle. That is a major part of the exterior part of the framing. Now let's slide to the inside. Uh, Recess cans uh, have become a major part and a bigger deal in the framing process. The reason I say that is the ceilings are a little bit larger and often you're going to want the recess cans centered over particular areas are equally divided in your room. If you have beams in your room, they're going to need to also either be placed in the beams or have an adequate distance in between the beams. And knowing that space, your framers knowing it is huge. If you have a coffered ceiling, in other words, you have grids on the ceiling detail, and we'll always want those lights or the fan to be dead center of that space, it's a really super, super important at this time to make the allowance and the framing for it and, and for the beams or if there's any supports for the beams uh, that, be held, that needs to be held up. This is a really, really important time to make that happen. We often forget that these decorative beams either need a support or need something to be hammered to in the ceiling and they're able to put you know probably 18 inch wide extra blocking up there so it gives you a little bit of play gives them something to nail to and they put this in and these are whether they're three-piece beams you know two on the side one on the bottom or if it's a solid timber that weighs a thousand pounds, it gives you something to um, attach to, something to physically screw into. So it holds very, very well and it does not come down. So as you're going through the framing process, you're looking at your plans, make sure at least for now you consider those elements. Now, something that also is really important are our front doors, and this is a part of the framing, so we're not getting too far out of this element yet. I wanted to just bring, show you a couple of pictures and notes, something to maybe draw attention to um, as you're looking at your door, as you're framing, to think about in your process, one in your um, planning with your architect and your blueprints, and also with your framing And when you're selecting your door, you're typically going to go select your front door after your plans are done and after everything is drawn, it's gonna give you what the size is. And again, uh, let's talk about sizes. So you can have a single door that's 36 inches wide. They usually like to stop about 48, um, or you can have a double door. And then what we're gonna, a um, few pictures that we're gonna look at now, they're actually two doors at 36 inches each. So that gives us a total of six feet across that we're gonna go with. And then heights, I usually, recommend starting at an eight foot door you can go up to 9 10 11 um, it really depends on the architect and the style be very aware the higher you go especially over eight feet it could add a couple thousand dollars per foot you go up so these are definitely budget or allowance items they are not free nor are they inexpensive there are different materials that you can use uh, stainless steel. Obviously, beautiful, nice, heavy, very heavy. Probably the most expensive door, one of the more expensive doors that you can pick and choose. Beautiful, but they could easily be fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars for the door. So if this is what you want, often it's dark, but plan accordingly. And if your allowance is five or six thousand dollars for a door, and you come at it in twenty-five or thirty grand there's a really good chance that you're going to be way off on your allowances or at the very, very beginning, you need to pad yourself I think it's a great idea to let your contractor or your designer know that, hey, we want a stainless steel door. We know that it's going to cost some bucks and go ahead and plan for that. Because holy moly, you don't want to get into this process and all of a sudden think this door is going to cost five grand and all of a sudden it comes back 25 or 30,000 and then you've got to start selling the cat or the dog or the kids to pay for the front door. Absolutely do not want to do that. Other thing to consider, and this varies a little bit depending on where you are in the country, Rule of thumb, close rule of thumb, is you need between six and 12 inches of projection. This would be your front porch of to whatever the height of the door is. As an example, if your door is eight feet tall, they request and ask that you have, they being the, the warranty people of the doors or the manufacturers, that you have a projection that covers the door eight feet. Now. That doesn't always happen. I'm a little bit more of a fan of six, six and a half inches. Uh, there are applications where you do not have anything that covers your front door. The reason they like to have a, a projection is the weather. When you have the, the, the rain, the sun, the not so much the wind, but the, the natural elements that are pounding on that door, it gives it a little bit more uh, protection and it lasts. Uh, if you're going to stain the door, there's a different type of wood that you could use. You could also use fiberglass, which is gonna last a little bit longer. Um, here in North Carolina, the central, and even at the coast, we use mahogany a lot, and then mahogany, you can still paint, stain. Remember, it has a red undertone to the door, so you have to you know stain it and make an allowance that you're going to have that detail and need to deal with it. Um, the other thing with the, the double doors or any of the doors is you have the ability to to do leaded glass, to do no glass, to do solid wood, to do a radius. This particular one that we're looking at has a radius on it. So it uh, has an, I call it an eyebrow. Uh, So that is something to look at. And you also follow in this turret, we followed the same range. I'm a big fan. If you have this turret to whatever detail that you have on the top of the door shape, you have the same thing in the turret or the front entrance that's going in. Now we're gonna look at another picture, which is gonna be more of a half round. Um, This is again, has another turret that's coming into it. You're able to look at the guys are doing such a great job. They're actually putting in the stone. And if you do 180 degrees and you flip around, which will be the next slide, you'll be able to see the actual door. Now um, we're on the inside of the door and just imagine you're on the outside as well. This has been stained. This is actually a 10 foot tall door. Um, It has Flemish glass in it so therefore it's um, protected you can't see there will eventually be glass or, or I'm sorry metal that will go on the front of it and that gives it it's really great detail um, the big thing is to understand that the again you have your width and you have your height that's on there those play um, a big factor this doesn't look like it's a really tall door but it is a super tall door um, again it's ten feet this has the radius that goes around the top, and it looks um, absolutely amazing, and will be great in this space when it's completed. We don't have the door hardware on there yet, but it will happen. Um, this actually shows a picture of the the outside, the front, looking in. All the stone is in the uh, the plate over the glass with the swirlies is there. This picture shows it's not been stained yet. The other picture we were looking at on the inside had the shows the stain. I believe we used Jacobean on this this is very unfinished. It's redwood. Uh, this uh, is natural. You need to get some type of stain or finish on the door probably within 30 or 45 days. Once it gets installed, that helps protect it. We like to go back at the very, very end, put a final coat on it, clean it up a little bit, but uh, absolutely magnificent piece. Again, this is all wrapped in um, natural stone. I believe it's Shawnee that's on there. Gives it a beautiful, beautiful look. So definitely think about your front doors as you're going through your process. Start looking at them, the stores from DSA, um, wonderful um, company that we like that I think is absolutely magnificent. Here's another picture that shows the, um, the turret outside with the stone. This follows all of the details and all of the lines of that door. These heights and widths are the same of the door. I can't stress enough how important I think this is. This would not pull off and look the same if you had a square top or if it was flat on the top instead of having that half round radius. And this really, I believe, makes this fall through and look wonderful. So those are a few notes about the front door that you want to think about. I wanted to show you some pictures because I think it's a big deal. And right now the doors are taking a little bit longer to get in. So we want to make sure that you plan accordingly for that. Um, A few other elements for your framing that when you walk through the house, once the, the roof pitch gets up, you're able to look. Are your room sizes they're often going to feel a little bit smaller uh, once the place is or the house is fraying don't freak out about that again this is an area that you don't want to change too much if you plan a hoarding, accordingly and you do your furniture layout and space planning we're going to talk about that a little bit later on another episode you should be fine with that layout And then the other thing we wanna make sure with your framing is that your windows are placed correctly, that they're the right distance apart and then they're the right height, everything you need. Looking at your plan is a great way to understand this and give this a little bit of extra attention and a little bit thought process. You will be just fine. Other picture I wanted to show you and also talk about is your LVLs, that is a laminated veneer lumber. And this is a detail that you're not supposed to drill through or you can't drill through. This is a major framing structure. It is very supportive. It holds up a lot of weight. This particular picture, Um, It's a micro lamb and it has LVL on it. For those of you who are listening to it, if you have an opportunity, um, check out some of the visuals. I think YouTube, you have the, um, you can see it, but this actually, you can see that it, it says LVL and these will come in different widths and different heights um these are going to be buried up in the typically buried up in the ceiling and they carry the load and the support of everything above it this helps us open up spaces it gives you a a nice designer detail where if you want it to be smooth you don't want a header or something dropping down out of the ceiling this gives you the ability to do it. Um, It also helps with pitching your ceilings. Um, If you want your ceiling to come up to an A and have a clean apex, They're gonna put that support above it. If you want to have a beam below it, then they'll actually put this LVL below it and you can frame down around it. Um, We have a couple of pictures that will show you uh, just a general idea of what the LVLs will look like. This is another one, this is brought down so you would frame around it. So if you were to look up at the ceiling, there would be sheetrock this is actually sitting on a support and you can see how it's holding up on um, more than likely there's a floor above it it looks like we're in the basement right here and it's holding up the floor and these can span gosh anywhere from 40 to 70 feet um, it's definitely a way to get the extra support that you need and get you a cleaner look so um Something you don't need to focus and bring up too much attention to other than the fact that you want to see them or you don't want to see them. Um, Those are some major elements with the framing that I thought was really, really important to you and I think a big deal and will help you in your future progress. Now, uh, the big elephant in the room, vendor walks. Uh, This is something I've worked on with a couple contractors have been doing for the last few years. A vendor walk is going to be a day or um, two half days where you meet almost with all of your vendors. Um, your electricians, your plumbers, your um, HVAC people, and you talk about what gets placed where. This is a really, really good opportunity if you have hiccups, if you have problems, if there's questions, to throw it out there and to talk about it. Um, I wanna go through a couple elements that I find a little bit more challenging that I'm always trying to improve on and get a little bit ahead of the game and hopefully help you in your process. First one are um, is the cabinets. Uh, we talked about getting your cabinet design done ahead of time. It should absolutely be completed before this part of the project in your framing. And what will happen is your cabinet vendor or your cabinet maker is gonna come out and physically draw all of your cabinets out on the floor. And the reason we do this is one, you get a general idea of how far apart the cabinets are. Um, I'm a big fan in your kitchen, the uh, say the face of your range cabinet where your range is gonna be to your island, to at least have 48 inches, if not 55 inches, sometimes up to 60. We wanna make sure when you pull down that oven, you have or you open up the dishwasher that there's enough room to be able to walk behind it. So two people, typically two people, a person needs at least 24 inches. So multiply that times two, that gives you 48. But 55 gives you a little bit more of a space. Um, And the reason is often your ranges are going to project out a little past the face of your cabinet. So that helps us tremendously. The other reason we like to mark the cabinets is knowing where the sinks are, where they're going to be centered. It's really really important that when the plumber pulls up his plumbing pipes that they are centered of the cabinet and if that island or the locations of where your sinks are not noted for the plumber he's going to go by the plan and we all know that sometimes the plans change a little bit and they're going to pull it up there could be um, a vertical piece of wood post right there and we'll have to decide do you want it on the left and right so again having that cabinet laid out and then actually having a center line a c and an l marked by the cabinet person it makes them very aware of where that sink is going to come up. Also the wall links could be a little bit different on plan. We need to, and then the casing having its size. So having that marked on the floor is going to be able to give us the detail and also the ceiling heights. If we're going to add a soffit up. Um, often if we're having now 12, 13, 14 foot ceilings, you may not obviously want your cabinets to go that tall. So we're going to drop it in a soffit and we're going to want to know where it's placed. And a big deal is hood placement. Uh, you know, we're going to probably drop a recessed can, you know, either in the dead center or the left and right. We want to know where that hood's going to go, and often it is going to be centered on a particular place. We're going to want to be able to see that and know where that is. So Definitely a reason, absolutely a reason to get that marked. Our next vendor that we're gonna meet with is the plumber. Um, This, we're gonna have all the specifications printed, um, which is probably gonna be about 30 or 35 pages of specifications. I also like to have the photographs and the pictures. And what we do is we go from room to room, every room that has plumbing. So that's gonna be all of your secondary bathrooms. It's gonna be your master bathroom, your primary bathroom, your pantry, your laundry room, obviously your kitchen. You're gonna go through every single plumbing fixture that you have talk about anything that he needs. The um, vendor is gonna ask any particular questions that he may have. Uh, We're gonna talk about, this is a rough in material. After this meeting, they're gonna start actually roughing in, putting in the material. So we in the trade call that rough in. We wanna answer, any question that he has. This is also the opportunity where you figure out the heights. How high do you want that shower head coming out of the ceiling? Uh, If you have wall mount faucets in the powder room where they physically come out of the wall, this is where we tell that vendor where we want them to be. Answer every single question. Rain head in the the primary shower or a secondary guest shower, if it's coming out of the ceiling, we want to let him know where it's going to come out of the ceiling. Is it going to be center, is it gonna be off to the right a little bit? Um, How high is it going to be off the floor? We call this off the finished floor, AFF for um, quick terminology. We wanna let him know how high is this shower head, same thing as the the wall mount shower head, how high do we physically want that to be off the floor? The other thing that I've learned in the past is the plumbing pipes have a tendency to go up and down. If you're gonna have a niche with the tile, we want to have that discussion with the plumber and make sure that the plumbing pipes go around this application. And I'll say, remember, this is an opportunity that if you do not wanna have all of your faucets and all of your valves directly under your shower head. Remember, this is a custom home. You can stick it outside by the mailbox if you want to. Just have to let that vendor know where you want it to go so you can turn it on, turn it off. You can adjust it a little bit. Um, again, this is an application when you're physically doing the selections, um, possibly at our friends at Ferguson's, that you're going to look at those details, the valves, and see how much space they take, space they take up Do you want them side by side? Do you want them on top of each other? How do you want that to be applied? This is the opportunity to make that happen. And we also wanna be sure and have all of those marked for this particular vendor as honestly, all the other vendors. Next one who is just as important, if not probably more important is the electrician. We're gonna talk about all of the recessed cans this is where they're going to go we talked about that a few minutes during framing it is so critically important to get these marked i like to draw them out on the floor or ask that particular vendor to draw the locations of the floor where they're going to go on the floor don't get confused they're not going to put the lights in the floor they're going to put them on the ceiling but it is a lot easier to mark and to read them on the floor this is also a great opportunity any detail work that you have on the ceiling go ahead and mark it on the floor so you'll have a really good idea of how that's going to play out and how that's going to look. This is also where we're going to talk about under cabinet lights and in cabinet lights whether you're gonna do tape lighting, whether you're gonna do pucks, whether you're gonna do a fixture underneath there, this is the time we have to let the electrician know. If we're gonna do lights in these upper cabinets, which are really incredibly important right now, this is the opportunity that we need to let that vendor know. The other thing that's coming on, strong that I like, especially if you have, um, and this will be in the kitchen, a tile backsplash that has a lot of character, a lot of texture to it, you can actually put the power outlets up underneath the cabinets. They don't have to be in the back wall anymore. Um, remember, if you do this, you possibly could have a cable or a power cord hanging down. So if you you know, have a whole bunch of stuff or a whole bunch of product, On your countertop, this may not work the best for you, but if you just have a couple of items and you like a neater countertop, this is fantastic. You physically just plug up underneath the the cabinet. Um, That's your power and that works. Need to definitely let your cabinet maker know that this is what you're gonna do so they can make that allowance. I think it's a beautiful look. It shows off the tile in your backsplash. If you have the ability to do that and you're comfortable, definitely, definitely consider it. I think it's beautiful. Electrician is also gonna talk about code. Um, This is really important. He's going to tell us emphatically how far away from a sink that you need to be, how far um, away that code is going to require that you have an outlet. This is going to be more specifically in your bathrooms where you have a sink, but this is going to give you that application. The other thing that he'll ask, it's not as important during the vendor walk, but you can go ahead and nip it and discuss it, is your outlets. Do you like the rocker switches? Do you like the toggle switches? Are you going to do a specialty switch that is going to require uh, a little bit more technical support? It's going to be a little bit more special. Is it going to be one of the ones that you walk into the room and it recognizes you and turns everything on? Or, you know, as the sun goes down, it brings down the intensity of the light to change the feel and vibe of the space this right here is very important with your electrician vendor to talk about them I'll say I want to talk about your floor outlets um, easier dealt with if you have a crawl space because he can run wire and leave it for you underneath and then once the floor's done and the furniture gets in or you get your layout figured out you can pop it through however If you're on a poured concrete base or you have a foundation, it's definitely better to go ahead and mark and note where this is going to be because he's going to have to pull it up through the floor. So this is definitely going to be a little bit more of a commitment um, or a detail for you. And the other thing to consider with the electrician is whether or not you're going to go with led or you're going to go with incandescent lights so many of them right now are led uh, and they have the color that's beautiful now again i suggest a 2700 maybe a 3000 kelvin that's going to work with that so absolutely beautiful next vendor hvac Um, it's your heating and your ventilation, your air, and your cooling, one of my biggest challenges I have, because this is where you're going to have the uh, supply lines in the floor, your returns in the walls or the ceiling, and they're always in the worst possible place that they can be, and there's always a challenge and a disagreement, uh, which again, which is why it's nice to have the furniture figured out where it's gonna go ahead of time. So you can say, hey, I absolutely do not want anything right here because there's going to be a big piece of furniture. You don't want to put a supply line, a floor register under a piece of furniture that goes to the floor because it's not going to cool the space adequately. Uh, By the same token, in the wall, you're not going to want a return in the wall if you're going to have a piece of furniture go there because it's going to impede the flow and it's not going to allow the space to cool off. And then here in the south, and it sounds like even in Arizona where it's hot, you need that air to flow. This is the opportunity that they're going to talk about that with you, and then make suggestions. Don't be afraid to tell them where you have pieces of furniture that are going to go, because this is again the opportunity to hash this all out and make it happen. You're also going to talk about your thermostat locations. I have found out that these are really important, and there's are certain areas that they can and can't go. Um, this isn't something that can go out by the mailbox. This is going to have to go usually within three or four feet of a general area. I visually do not like to see them. Um, I don't like them in the middle of a wall because if I have a piece of furniture or a mirror, I don't want it to interfere with it. And that particular vendor is also gonna say, you're not gonna want sun shining directly on it because it's gonna make the room feel warmer than it is and therefore not heat it or cool it as it needs to be. So big, big important. And also we're gonna have makeup air uh, for your kitchen hood. This is in certain areas we required with the larger ranges and the larger hoods that it draws so much air out of the house that you have to make up the air somehow. Now, a lot of the new units, you can do them within the unit. You don't have to have an extra something in the ceiling, an extra grill or an extra supply supply line in the ceiling to push that air I like this method a little bit better because it's something less in the ceiling that I do not have to see. Um, Ask your supplier, ask your vendor, is this something that you can do? Because again, ceilings, less is more. You want to see fixtures and you want to see cans. You don't want to see any added things that you physically do not have to do hardwood floors is going to be your next vendor this is going to be relatively easy he's going to meet with you you're going to let him know the direction that you want the floors to lay Um, again if you have do not have a um, a, a concrete floor a subfloor typically they go across the joist or the beams and you don't have much of a choice and this is how you need to let it roll it gives you extra support Typically, it runs, um, I call it railroad tracks by your front door. So you're stepping over the seams. This is something you don't want to play with. Then you need to cross those joists for extra support. Love it and let it roll and happen. Uh, this is also a great um, time to talk about the supply vents that are coming out of the floor, anything that's sitting on it. I'm a big fan of making sure that they match the floor. So if you have hardwood, make sure that they're matching hardwood floors. If they're pre-finished, they should be able to get the finish that matches your floor. If they're site finished, um, which means they're gonna do them on site, they're gonna finish them, you're gonna look at your stain samples, then they can match them accordingly Anywhere where you have tile, which will be your wet areas, you can buy separately. Um, I think it's nice to match your plumbing fixtures. So if you have chrome, polished nickel, black, or over bronze, you can make that happen. And that will um, look beautiful and be able to work. You're also going to meet with your staircase guy. Make sure the staircase fits and blends everywhere it needs to go. This is relatively self-explanatory. Another vendor you're going to meet with is your elevator. Uh, this has been figured out beforehand so there's not too much to change at this time if you've not finalized and picked out what you're going to have in the elevator this is an opportunity to do it Um, here in North Carolina we've had a little back and forth about security when you close the door right now it looks like we're going to be able to do a light curtain in there so that means if you open up the door or a pet or a little child gets in there they break the plane of the light the um, elevator is not operable so don't have a ton of information on that but it's some Something certainly to bring up and then of course um, your fireplaces you want to have a really good idea where they're going to go what type of fireplaces you're going to have whether it's going to be wood burning whether it's going to be gas um, we're going to talk about fireplaces on another episode and get a general idea but this definitely needs to be blocked out and again this is going to fall a little bit in framing so you need to know where those happens and where those go That's primarily list for the vendor walk that we have. There's a little bit more, but hopefully that's just enough to not scare you, to give you a little bit of details and make sure that you have your notes formalized really well. The next part of this is one of my favorites. These are some tips and fast help um, from the builders that I talked to that they want me to bring up and make sure that you guys have an understanding and put an exclamation point and underline these details. So when you're in your part of your process in the beginning or during it, that you understand. First one being your door and your window rough openings, your ROs, wanna make sure those are correct. It's a little bit of a pain in the rear end, but you're gonna get about 60 pages from this particular vendor that sells you your windows and your doors. You wanna go through, make sure all the rough openings Are exactly what you wanted. I like to check each page and give it an initial. That way it forces me to look at it. If there's a question, bring it up to your general contractor, bring it up to that vendor and talk about it. So make sure your rough openings for your door, and this is your front door, and your windows are correct. You don't want it to be off by inches or feet after it's already framed. That becomes a big old hot mess, and we don't want to do that. Other element to strongly consider is on your hardwood floors is to screw and glue. Gr- excuse me, screw and glue that floor down, and also the floor that's underneath it is your subfloor. We want to screw and glue that subfloor down. That's going to help down the road from it um, squeaking and creaking as it gets to be a little bit older. Whether you have wood over the top of it or carpet or gym floor, it helps tremendously. Third thing we want to think about, defective and bowed wood. Uh, This happens every once in a while. We try not and use it. If you see something that is overly bowed, this is on the wall. It could push the sheetrock out. You don't want that. Bring that to the attention of your general contractor ahead of time. Don't talk to the vendor. Don't talk to the framer independently. But bring it up that you want straight boards inside the house. So therefore, when the sheetrock goes up, you are sure that you're gonna have straight um, lines when it happens. And again, uh, the fourth element, blocking for plumbing and beams. We spoke this briefly about the beams, but also think about your plumbing, um, your toilet tissue holder, uh, your hand towels. You wanna put blocking behind that. So if you're angry one day, or if you have kids and they go, they yank that, they don't rip it out of the sheetrock. You can still put fasteners and things behind the sheetrock, but if it has wood to screw into, it's always a little bit stronger and it's always a little bit better to be able to, to give it that Extra support, that extra oomph that just works tremendously. And then again, um, understanding your stairs and your placement. I laugh about this because I've had a couple of projects where they've been off a little bit and being all four or five inches on your stair placement is a big deal it is a really big deal make sure everyone understands it that you understand the width of it whether it's 42 inches 48 inches is it six feet wide that you have a really good understanding of what that placement is going to be and honestly anything that changes during that needs to happen on the architectural drawing process not so much on the side so have a really good idea how that is going to play And also remember, um, a staircase that has straight lines, you know, and a 90 is is going to definitely be more cost effective than a spiral staircase. They are not the same by any means. Uh, We'll have a future podcast where we'll talk about staircases. But if you like the spiral staircase and it's something that's a level 10 is on the top of your want list, know that is definitely going to be a little bit more than if you have a straight run or you have a run that has a 90 degree with a landing in the middle something to consider well folks it looks like we've kind of come to the end of this one again next week we are hopefully going to talk about glass enclosures Uh, these are all of the elements the details that will happen um, in your bathrooms in your showers your wet area also your gyms your closets uh your wine room if you have a wine room Uh, glass enclosures just aren't for showers anymore they are in different applications so we're going to look at some pictures and talk about that we're also going to talk about fireplaces um i brought this up because i've just finished working with them with a couple of projects and there are many different kinds they have wood they have gas you've got glass front you don't have glass front And again, these all play into the factor from the architect. So we really want to discuss them ahead of time and have a general idea, give you some thoughts about what's out there and what works and then what doesn't. I also am going to add a new element to my podcast. I'm going to ask you guys to support a couple of people. You know, we live in a wonderful environment. And um, I just talked to one of my producers and thought, who could we support? Who could we give a little bit of an edge to? And this podcast, number five, I really would like you guys to consider our vets. Um, The Gary Sinise Foundation is a wonderful foundation. They give money. They help build homes for our vets, for our military. Uh, They also give these really cool... um, Uh, uh, mobility, transportation vehicles that these people can get around in. It's really important. I have family. I have friends that are involved in the military. We want to support them. We're going to put up a link that will give you their foundation. Not sure if you can click on it, but you can at least see what it is. If you have a few extra bucks or you can volunteer for it, definitely consider that foundation. I think it's an absolutely worthy cause. Um, I want to thank my sponsors, Jenny Blanton. If you have any real estate needs in Central North Carolina, be sure and give her a call. She'll be able to take great care of you. And also Dogwood & Company in Cary, North Carolina. If you have any luxury new construction projects that you're looking at in the future or that are about to happen, give them a call and see if it's something they can help you with. And also remember that they do large-scale, higher-end remodels um, and talk to them, see if it's something they can help you with. Again, remember to subscribe this podcast. It should be one of the buttons that's in there and you'll get an alert for the future. And I wanna thank you for tuning in. Hope you learned something, laughed a little bit and take something positive away. You guys have a great day and we'll talk with you soon.